Hello, Happy New Year's, and welcome to episode four of Tragic Comic, a coming of age podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Ortizio, and I'm so proud to welcome my good friend, the queen of the finger guns and resident of her arts and crafts era, Carla Viegas. Carla is a proud Mexican filmmaker from South Texas and is currently studying RTF with me at the University of Texas at Austin. Carla is one of the most charming people you'll ever, ha ever have the privilege of meeting. Her bubbly personality, humble and inviting nature, and sometimes questionable phrases and slang will always make you giggle, even if you're just helping her take up her baby blue bike up the stairs. Not only is she incredibly creative and passionate, but she's damn good at nearly every creative aspect she plays her hand in. She dresses better than 90% of the Austin population. She very successfully ran her own vintage clothing business in her first two years of college, and the films she makes have always truly blown me away. Her unique insights on the craft and artistic vision is something I truly envy, and I can confidently say I'm one of her biggest fans. Carla, perhaps without wielding your guns, <laughs> tell everybody and me how you're feeling today. I'm feeling great. I would you see it, it would have been better if I put out the finger guns, but you know, for the sake of your vision, I won't do it. Even for the audio listeners, I could feel like they <laughs> can feel me cringe okay, when you pulled out the show, guns. It's chill. It's chill. Okay. Well, what movie did we watch? What was your favorite coming of age movie, and um, why we, was it your we favorite? We watched Ida, and it's uh, it was my favorite. I watched it this year, and I really liked it because I felt really connected to um, Anna's character. Because, I mean, when we were watching, I was telling you how, like, I came to college and I've never done, I didn't party when I went to high school. I didn't, like, you know, do any of the things you're supposed to do when you're a teenager and be responsible. And even though I'm not a nun, you know, going to take my vows and stuff to, you know, mm -hmm. dedicate my life to God, yeah. as she does in the movie, I feel like that her just deciding that she needed to try being young you know, is something that a lot of us feel. Like, sometimes you just do stuff to try it. Mm -hmm. um, and I just really liked that. And I liked the, her aunt character because I saw, in a way, she kind of resembled, like, all my friends who were like, let's go out, let's have some fun, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then I was just there like, guys, I'm scared. I've never done any of this before, you know? Yeah. It just resonated with me. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, okay. Well, I had never, I had never even heard of this film. Mm -hmm. Like, hadn't seen anything about it. Hadn't seen the festival runs, whatever. Um, and I'm sure many of the people listening have not either, which is sad because I enjoyed it. Um, for those of you who don't know, Ida, 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 Ida takes place in 1962 Poland, where Anna is about to take vows as a nun when she learns from her only relative, her aunt Ida, that she is Jewish. Both women embark on a journey to discover their family story and where they belong. This 2013 film explores the themes of family, religion, self-identity and per the restrictions of this podcast, growing up. Directed by Powell Pawlikowski, Ida had a very successful festival run, winning Critics' Prize at the infamous Toronto International Film Festival and being officially selected to Telluride, Sundance, and more. Truthfully, what sets this film apart is its cinematography. Every single frame of this movie is purposeful and beautiful. You can scroll through the film, take a screenshot, and I guarantee you the random frame will be prettier than anything in theaters right now, and much prettier than any picture you've taken in your entire life. The excess of headroom, the focus away from facial expressions, and brilliant constant use of frame within frames capitalizes on the emotion of the film and helps display the mundane, mundane state in which Anna lives in. This film is a slow burn, so it's definitely not for everyone, but for anyone that loves a beautiful frame, a cute Polish man smoking cigarettes and playing the saxophone, or a lovely back half of a woman claiming her power in the world and exploring everything she once couldn't, I would suggest this movie for you. 
And so we talked about the cinematography a yeah, lot. Yeah, dude. It was insane. I think that's one of the biggest things that sold this movie to me. I was going Google Gaga crazy over those shots. Like, it was insane. I told you, like, if I could yeah. take, like, every single frame in that movie and put it on my walls just so I can have it and I can look at it, I would, but my wall wouldn't be big enough. But it was just, oh, it was so beautiful. I felt like I was being, like, silly and redundant because I felt like I'd be like, oh, my God, that one is so good. Mm-hmm. And then it would go one second and I'd be like, oh, shit, no, that one is so good. I couldn't believe, yeah. like, the consistency and what they did yeah and i didn't i think you mentioned it when we were watching it like you're like i like the emphasis of lack of facial expressions and stuff and i didn't even Mm. notice that when i first watched it really no i didn't and it made sense and i was like wait that's so true like this they don't even really show a lot of close-ups and i think that's important because whenever they do show the Mm close-ups it's like much more impactful because you don't see that much of them you know yeah i think that was like the first thing that jumped out to me was like how a lot of shots were basically like mediums mm-hmm. except like down yeah. down like a foot and i thought it was like so 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 powerful because then you're like focusing on their hands or like you're focusing on like her shoes which comes in yeah. later when she wears the high heels mm-hmm. and like the scene at the no spoilers like graveyard whenever she like walks away and is crying like you can feel that without having to see her face yeah. which i think is so 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 good but i really liked it and i didn't think i was gonna like it at all Really? <laughs> no, I didn't think I was going to like it. Because it was like set in the olden day. I'm, I don't like historical pieces that much. Yeah. And then it's like black and white. And I figured it was going to be slow because it was only an hour and 22 mm-hmm. minutes. But Also, I, the tags weren't very appealing. Like, what were they? It was like haunting. It was like historical, <laughs> haunting, sad were like the tags on Amazon. Which I, I think is like somewhat true. I think it was all true. No, I don't think it was haunting. It 100% was haunting. <laughs> no, it was not. What do you mean? It was, it was like, it was okay. It was okay. It wasn't too sad. It wasn't too crazy. Dude, are you I've kidding? Seen, I've seen worse stuff. Like, that's to me, ball my eyes out. Okay, I agree. Like, like there are silly movies that make me cry. Like, have you seen Instant Family? No. Okay, well, that one is, like, dumb. It's a commercial. It's, like, Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne. But mm-hmm. that movie makes me ball. And it's, like, not even that sad. But I think this one, but that movie tries to get you to cry. (laughs) I think this one doesn't try to do it for you. Yeah. But the actual like topics are fucking devastating. I think that's why it is haunting because they're not like pulling it out of you. (laughs) You're like feeling it for yourself. All right. Maybe it is a little heavy. I think. Just a little. I think it's heavy. Also, one thing I was like reading about online, which I didn't even like put together in my head, Mm -hmm. but it was like. The whole idea that like this isn't like necessarily a unique story mm-hmm. how like during this time and in, in poland or whatever um so much of this was happening and whenever i heard whenever people were talking about that and they said like they use their story as a backdrop to like help understand all the stuff people are going through i was like damn that makes me even more sad because like anna is just like one of like hundreds of people i'm sure that happened to yeah and i liked how it was like like post holocaust but it's not a Holocaust movie. Mm-hmm. And I like that because it's like, I don't know. I've seen plenty of Holocaust movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So obviously Anna was studying to be a nun and was closeted from the real world in many ways. Mm-hmm. Her perspective, her interest, what she was allowed to do. Do you think you had a closeted upbringing? Yeah, 100%. Like I, my parents... I'm Mexican-American, so you know how it is. You know, like, you have really strict moms, and Mm -hmm. they don't let you do anything. And um, 
I was a senior in high school and I was like, I'm gonna go to my first party. And I go to my first party and it was the worst thing in the world. Like I had a full blown social anxiety attack. So I was like, I can't do this. People are acting crazy. And then I come here and it's like Party City 101, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's college. 101. You're to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to be a little kid and have fun, you know, because it's mm -hmm. not going to be cute when you're 35 going out to party every night, you know? So anyway. Depends on the 35 year old. Yeah. 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 Um, but basically, I felt that a lot of my youth was like covered in like restrictions and limitations because of the way my mom raised me and i appreciate it you know like i wouldn't be mad at her and wish that i'd grown up and got a party sooner or done all the other stuff that you do when you're a child whatever the hell yeah but um it is it does feel like i'm a little late to the game and i guess that's why i act kind of silly sometimes and cringy because you know, like I just I don't know if that's the exact reason. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just making excuses at this yeah, point. Probably. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that I definitely did a little bit. It was kind of shocking when I got here and all this stuff. Do you wish that you didn't like in, like you talked about, like in terms of like going to parties and stuff like do you wish like did you feel unprepared when you got to college? Did you feel like nervous? Like what was that? Like, how is it different? Because mm, well, it's still, like, even if, like, you did do all this shit in high school, like, college is still a new experience well, for everybody. because, like, mostly, like, everybody when you're in college has gone to a party, gone doing fun stuff, you know? Like, yeah, it just feels like, in a way, it's kind of, it feels like you're being judged. Maybe it's, it's probably not just, like, um, not a big deal. But to <laughs> me, as, like, somebody who was, like, coming into this new world of like having fun and stuff it felt very much like if i don't do this right i'm gonna look silly and dumb you know yeah and i think that's kind of why i liked um anna's character because like i think there was a moment in the movie when her aunt um tries to get her to like go talk to the boy you know mm -hmm. she's like go like let's saxophone go to his boy. show yes saxophone mm -hmm. boy which i forgot his name i think it was like i, I, I never remember saxophone boy will be what we call him yeah. but anyways um she go, she tries to make him go talk to him and she's like all nervous and she's like i don't want to do this but when she decides to do it on her own time and she's alone like she succeeds at it and because it's not like um there's not this like somebody watching her you know what i mean like it's not, sure. not she's not being judged that's how i interpret it but that's how i feel how i felt back in the day when i was a little freshman okay well if you could go back would you have wanted to like try more things in high school or no because mm. then it's like like parties in high school are the worst I mean, I wouldn't know. I was never there. You went to so. one. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think I I would just because I think it. there's, like, something nice about the fact that I haven't, like, tried all the stuff that people tried or, like, did, you know. And it was, like, a, a special moment. And it was a new chapter in my life. I was, like, in college. It wasn't, like, I feel like it would have been, it would have sucked a little, like, um, magic out of it having fun with your little friends and making it a little memory in your brain you know yeah because like i like i really didn't try any new things mm -hmm. in college i kind of done it all before i got here but then like 
I feel like there is something like the college experience, like going to your first party and like yeah. getting drunk for the first time yeah. and blacking out, blah, 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 blah. And I think that's like fun. And like that's, I think it makes it, it makes like your freshman year such like a formative year. And also mm -hmm. like, I feel like that makes such a difference between high school and college. Yeah. And I think there's something good about that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I I still had fun and I already did it all. <laughs> okay. But this movie also talks a lot about like the cultures of the families mm -hmm. in Poland, I guess, is where they are. And we obviously come from different ethnic backgrounds and cultures, me being Filipino and white, you being Mexican. How do you think your upbringing was different from non-Mexican people, like people you've met here or people that are in the Valley that aren't Mexican because you grew up in Mexican household and culture? And I think one of the biggest things that I've, found is like um when i'm i base okay so i'm like a creative major so as you you know mm -hmm. um i've have a lot of envy for people who grow up in like white households because it feels like they can talk to their families about their creative visions and they can get it you know mm -hmm. but um i don't really i don't really get that with my family you know like i'm like oh mom i want to make this movie about x y and z blah 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 mm -hmm. and she tries her hardest to understand and i really appreciate it and um even now and she's she we have moments of understanding but um i think being creative is a privilege in the way that like i can wake up one day and be like oh um what am i going to create right whereas my mom and everybody in my family grew up being like how am i gonna get food on this table how am i mm -hmm. gonna get clothes on my kids you know they're first thing is survival and i'm privileged in the fact that my first thing when i think of is what am i going to make today what am i going to yeah. be silly and create and paint what arts and crafts you can know I make? yeah and so um i think that i held for a long time i held a little bit of resentment for my family and the fact that i couldn't connect with them you know but now i find some beauty in that and there are moments, like I said, where we have this like connection and we get it. Like with my most recent thing that I made, mm -hmm. I worked with my mom and my grandma and it was so fun. And it was so like, it felt what it was supposed to feel like. And it finally felt like, you know what? Maybe it's better that I didn't grow up in this like household where like I could sit with my parents and have philosophical talks and uh, talk yeah. about my creative visions, you know, because that just means that I have to work for it. Mm -hmm. And it's so much better in the end when you work for it, right? And I'm not, no, I'm not saying that, like, they don't work for it, right? Yeah, but fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. I'm not saying that on air. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's one of the other things. And then it's also, it just feels like I'm, there's all these, like, stuff when you get to college at least for me that i was surrounded by a lot of um hispanic mexican americans because i'm from the valley you know so like it's just what i'm used to then i come here and it's like all these people from so many different backgrounds and i'm like oh my god this is like culture mm -hmm. shock and i'm like trying to catch up because i've just been in this bubble all my life you know yeah especially in the valley specifically mm -hmm. i mean your high school is probably what like it was like, I don't even know. I'm going to, I'll tell you a number and it'll be totally false. Like, I think it was maybe 200, but it's probably wrong. Wait, that's not all. Maybe 300. People? Yeah. Per grade? Um, no. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not that's not that. true at all. Your high school is way bigger than that. <laughs> Dude, maybe. It probably is. 200 people? 
There were 50 people per grade. It was you, Ermino, and 48 others. Yeah, nah, no. <laughs> no, it was probably 200 people per class. Okay. Maybe. Still a pretty small school. I don't know. How big was yours? Mine was... We had like 2,000 people total. What? More than that, actually. We had like between five and 600 per grade. Oh, my God. That's insane. Well, dude, fucking some kids, some of my friends like... Do you know Alan? No. Have you heard of Alan? No. It's this high school in oh, Dallas. Oh, Alan, Texas? Yeah. Yes, I know Alan. Their their high school had um, eighteen hundred kids in their graduating class. Oh my god! Yeah, that's kind like, of crazy. Shit is crazy. But how much? What? How? What percentage of your school do you think was Hispanic? Probably like freaking ninety percent. Ninety? Yes, I'm not even lying. Just like a sprinkle of white kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. I know. Mine was like, mine was like sixty percent, and it still felt really Hispanic. Really? Yeah, but ninety. No, I'm kidding. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, probably, every, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, probably like almost everyone on the roster, like last name was like Rodriguez, yeah. Garcia, Garz, blah, 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 blah. Dude, I bet the testing rooms were crazy. It was like Garcia, 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 yeah. Lopez, 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 Lopez. Because that's I was how it was always, for us. I was always V, man. I wasn't the last one. I was always with like, it was like Orticio, Ortiz, Padilla. Really? Pacheco. Yeah. Like, all, like, the Hispanic ones. Mm. But, oh, I that's that's so cool that you had, like, a good experience working creatively with your mom and your grandma. That's crazy. They were silly. They were, my grandma was being so funny. Because I, I wanted to put my grandma in some stuff before, like, you know, she kicks the bucket or whatever. No, she's not that old, but, like. <laughs> okay. Don't <laughs> put not, it out there. She's not that old. Nobody be sad. But, like. And you uh, already forgot her birthday. Bro, why would you bring that up <laughs> right now? Like, it was an accident. Yeah. I hold that over my head so much. You should. Okay. We're getting out of hand here. Um, anyways, <laughs> I wanted to put her in something, but she, like, was always, like, not in the mood to do it. Mm-hmm. But this time, um, I don't know what, what happened. She was like, okay, I'll do it. And I even got to film some little bits and pieces of her making, like, a, a little sandwich. And it was so funny because she was like burning the bread because mm-hmm. she's just like silly. And um, I think she liked it. She liked working like with the camera and stuff because she was I was like, Grandma, would you let me make something about you over Christmas break? She's like, see me whenever you want. Like Aww. you can come over because I think she realized that it wouldn't tell me staying with her the yeah. entire day. And she loves that. Like I stayed with her when we were doing that stuff for the project for like probably seven eight nine hours and like it's a long time i know and she liked it she just liked hanging out with us she was fun that's so sweet yeah dude i you know my mom has been an actress in my film she has which one i don't think i've seen it is it like a high school one yeah <laughs> oh my god how was that i love my mom she's the most supportive person in the world mm-hmm. she's not an actress mm-hmm. and she knows that <laughs> and she like agreed hesitantly because she like wanted to help me or whatever yeah but, like i was in high school i didn't know where to like find like a professional woman actress and so she was my actress and then i just can't watch it anymore you're like, gonna have to show me because no i can't show <laughs> why you why not also you showed me your film from high school and then i was like do i still have stuff from my like, do I still have pro- high school projects on my portfolio? And then I looked and I took them all off. On your portfolio? Yeah. Everything from high Bro. school. 
Because yours is so good. It wasn't. Dude, stop. Like, <laughs> I want to see this thing. No, with my Your mom? mom? Well, how was that like? I don't. Well, dude, back then I didn't even, I didn't know what like directing was. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was just like, okay, do this. Do this. That's me now. Say it this way. No, no yeah, it not. is. I literally, you've never seen me tell people how to act. I'm like, okay, be sad. Go. I'm go. sorry. I did. I'm so sorry. I knew it they was going to happen. They already came out. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. Well, I don't know. I just felt like, I don't know. It was so weird. But then it's like my mom and she has like some voiceover in it. Mm-hmm. And I, remember, I edited it too. And it was like hearing her voice over and over and over again. I was like, this is so weird. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. And then she, my mom was also white. Mm-hmm. And so then it didn't even, so we had like, it was my mom and then uh, like some girl from my high school that was like acting and she was white. And I was like, damn. And it was like mom and daughter. Like that was like the roles. I was like, they look more like a fucking family than we do. Like this random white person looks more like my mom than I do. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It was weird. I will not show you. Okay. It was not good. Don't show me. Okay. We talked about this when we watched the movie. Um, but the film has one line that I personally love so much. Uh, Anna and fucking saxophone boy are, <laughs> are laying in bed, and the boy asks her, what are you thinking about? And I'm not 100% sure why that line always resonates with me in the movies, but it does every time I hear it. Are there certain things or critiques or pieces of advice that you've been told throughout, throughout or once in your life that still stick with you and you think about all the time? what do you mean like critiques and stuff like feedback people give me not even necessarily feedback like not even talking about like creatively mm-hmm. just like comments you've gotten pieces of advice you've gotten just like things people have said that have like changed your way of thinking yeah like well the biggest person that like gives me advice that sticks with me and i think it's because he knows how to get in my brain is my brother Beto. Yeah, and you're addicted to him. Dude, he gets in my <laughs> I'm team brain. Beto. Dude, stop exposing me right now. Like, nobody has to know that I'm addicted to my brother. <laughs> I don't know. But, um... I had to sit in on that call. It was brutal. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It was... That's how we are. We If banter. that wasn't that bad... We banter. This is okay. us. He that's, wasn't bantering back. Yes, he does banter. You didn't hear him. Okay, you're right. He was bantering back. Mm-hmm. Literally, this morning, he texted me that saying that I smelled and that I was silly. That's just <laughs> how we are. Out of nowhere. But anyways, um, he like, I remember it was, I think it was like 2021, 2021's New Year's resolutions, we were making them. And then my brother was like, um, I was like, Beto, I need one more New Year's resolutions, what should it be? And he was like, mm, maybe that you should shower. And I was like, okay. And I'm not like, be for real. And then he was like, mm, maybe you can dance more. I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he was like, well, because like, you're so like, like uptight all the time. And like, you're so in your head about stuff. And you're so like tense. Maybe you can let loose a little. Maybe dancing will teach you that. And I was like, wait, he's kind of like right right now. He's kind of hidden. <laughs> he's he's kind of wanting something. It up. <laughs> I know, right? And so then I wrote it down. I didn't dance more like objectively. You know, like, oh, no, that's not the right word. What's the, when you say it, like, when you actually do it? Objectively, objectively, what is it? Whatever. Point is, I didn't wait, dance wait, wait. more physically. I didn't do it physically. Okay. But I think, like, metaphorically, I did. You know? So that stuck with me. And it still sticks with me now. Every night, every time I have to make one of these resolutions, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to have to make one some soon, you know? Or yeah. actually, it's already been done. No, Because no, no. <laughs> it's You're already. You don't have to lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but, anyways. Um, 
yeah it stuck with me and i was like my little brother was right with this that's a cute one i know right what about you <sighs> tell me yours i like should have i wrote this question i should have thought about it more um Okay, I remember. <laughs> okay. See, it's hard. Oh, like, no, you have I, to think I know what I want to talk about. I just don't know if, if I should say it. Um, but I remember me and my friends, um, we went to the Philippines together mm-hmm. um, after, this, after our sophomore year of high school. Um, and like, we went back to my father's village and we like, did all this stuff there and it was so cool and my dad also works with like foreign exchange students mm-hmm. because he was like a fob as fuck and so like he wants to like help foreign exchange students so he works with them and so every time we go to the philippines or every time he goes um he'll like ask a bunch of them if they want to come with like to help whatever project they're on because like one they obviously like to travel and two if they're foreign exchange students they're rich as fuck yeah it's so, like they can like give money and like help with the project um and so whenever we went it was like me and four of my friends plus like a couple foreign exchange students and then, like, sophomore year, sophomore year, like, up until then, I was never, like, the most confident guy, you know? Mm-hmm. I wasn't very confident. And I think a lot of that was just because my friends were very confident. And I think my friends, I just lucked out, I guess lucked out, where all my friends were just really good looking, mm-hmm. which is, like, odd, like, to have a whole good-looking friend group. But I felt like I was, like, the ugly friend and I was like the not as cool friend and all this shit like I felt like it was like everyone would always ask to hang out with Jimmy or Oscar and I'd be with them and I'd go with them yeah it's like they weren't asking for me specifically but then I remember um one of the foreign exchange students told me like they loved the way that I carried myself and that um they loved my confidence and they think that like I carry myself the best out of my friends like for sure and that they admire that about me and I was like, wow, that's so nice. And I felt like I had never like gotten over the comparison with my own friends. And I think after she told me that, like my confidence went up so much. Mm-hmm. And then I think since then, the past, like, what is it? Six years, I've been like a very confident guy. And I think it all came from that one conversation. And I was just like one sentence that she said, but it was like just <laughs> the right thing. Yeah. I think now you definitely, I do agree with that for initiation. You do carry yourself very confidently and like, you just like know how to make everybody feel nice and at home, you know. I I think that's like um, one of the things I admire most about you as a filmmaker and a person. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I, you've given me some good compliments too that have like stuck with me. Well, I gotta give them back, man. You you gotta you we gotta. It's like a what is it? Symbiosis? <laughs> it's not symbiosis. It's like the. What is it called? Synergy. I guess. Let's call it that. <laughs> That's what Ever said. <laughs> Who? Ever. Ever. Yes. I feel like he's right. You know what? I think so. I feel like it's not symbiosis. No, it's like, whatever. Synergy. Synergy. Yeah. Anyways, what is the next question? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, You were swooning for saxophone boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even necessarily because he was so cute. But because he played an instrument. Bro, yeah. So is artisticness, I don't know if that's a word, is artisticness something you always look for in a partner? Or is it more passion? Or is it drive? What is that one one feature that really sets them apart? Or that sets saxophone boy apart? I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. 
I, it's a plus if they're like creative, you know, and they have like some artistic vibe to them. But I don't think it's like something like that needs to be checked off mm-hmm. before like I like somebody, quote unquote. Um, but I think I think it's more it's just more about if they're passionate about something like you can be passionate about rocks. And as as it's because when when you're passionate about something, you have like this little glimmer in your eyes and you're like. Oh my god like this is so attractive that you have you're so passionate about rocks like tell me more what is it about rocks that you love you know Mm -hmm. i think it's a plus if it's something that i don't even like really like know stuff about like i don't know like i don't know uh freaking chemistry bonds and shit like that Mm -hmm. because it's so foreign to me like i can't grasp my head around why you would ever love something like that mm-hmm. but because somebody else loves this like that it's like an opportunity to like learn something and i think that's what i like just being able to like i mean it's also really nice when i get to like bond over something like i also really like like music or film or just little shit like that but um i do mr saxophone man was playing his little saxophone and i was like mm-hmm is working for me you could play anything and i'd be like yep it is like a like a weakness for me <laughs> if a man can play the, like the like if he has an instrument in his tinder if, box in his tinder pictures, yeah it's it's like a moment of weakness for me i don't know why it's so silly it's just so pretty i think it's because my mom and my dad like um really liked music like my mom made me play piano for a little bit mm-hmm. and my dad really liked the accordion and the guitar and stuff so i was just like music is so fun yeah 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 so mm-hmm. i think now i like look for people who can like i don't know I, I like the idea of them singing a little song when i'm like doing my homework or something you know maybe yeah. that's why the music stuff really gets to me because yeah, <laughs> so i'm like god damn <laughs> <laughs> i i like what you said though about how like you can hear someone be passionate about something that's foreign to you. Because mm-hmm. I love that. And, like, I love, like, it's like I'm learning it for the first time, yeah. which is so cool. And I'm learning it from, it's like having, an, like, an amazing professor of, like, when they're so passionate about it and they explain it to you in a way that you get it. Like, people can yeah. be talking to me about physics, and I don't know shit about physics. Mm-hmm. But, like, they'll be like, no, 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 dude. <laughs> you get the See X like and then the this. Y and yeah. this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I'm not fucking interested in it, but because of them, I am interested in it, mm-hmm. which I think is so cool. And then, like, I love, like, neither my roommates, a lot of, like, none of, like, like, both of my roommates and a lot of people close to me are not film majors. Yeah. It's, like, whenever I get to, like, explain to them, like, what I am doing, it's like it's foreign to them mm-hmm. and so then they're like oh well, like what does this mean like how do you do this yeah. how do you do this and like you would know exactly what the fuck i'm talking about you would never ask that question mm-hmm. but like they will and then i feel even cooler mm-hmm. and like i feel cool because they're interested in it yeah but i love having like the f- obviously it's nice to talk about film with you and film with sydney and film with people that know it but i think it's like a different thing talking about your passions with someone that have no idea what it is yeah and people love when people are passionate about stuff. Like, mm-hmm. my best friend America has his, her favorite, like, little portion of La La Land is when Emma Stone is telling Ryan Gosling. It's Ryan Gosling, right? I was getting confused yes, with Gosling. Ryan Reynolds. Anyways, he's telling Ryan Gosling, like, people just love when people are passionate about stuff. Yeah. So you can do whatever you want, and people are going to eat it up. Because if you're passionate about it, like, it's going to show. And people are going to be like, mm, 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 it's just so yummy, you know? Yeah. But, you should have watched La La Land. Is that a coming of age? I was thinking about it, but is that a coming of age? Maybe. I think 
I don't know. I think it I can don't pass. Think, I don't think so. I think it could pass. Mm. She's still like figuring out what she wants to do. He's still figuring out what he wants to do with his but career. But it's more a love story than it is a coming of age story. Well, all love is coming of age. I guess I so. think. Yeah. But fuck, there's so many good scenes in that. Yeah, Ball Land is good. I I think the first thing I think about when I think of Ball Land is, which I don't think is like a super popular scene, but whenever he, maybe it is, maybe I'm tripping, but when he like pulls up to her house and he said like, oh, I know what it's the house about. by the library mm-hmm. and like he fucking found it in like yeah, a different state. That I was know. so cute. That movie was crazy. I think. I, when I watched it, I didn't understand it because I was like, I was, I was like a sophomore in high school. I was like, mm-hmm. girl, what are you talking about? And then I rewatched it senior year of high school, and I was just like in tears, bawling, yeah, bawling. I think that's what I also liked this movie because I feel like if I watched it back then, I would be like, bro, that. this is so boring. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh my god, this is so beautiful. I love this. I think La La Land has one of my favorite endings of all time. It is. It's. I fuck up a bittersweet mm-hmm. ending. I can stop thinking about it. I still have it in the back of my brain sometimes. Mm-hmm. Fucking. I listen to that soundtrack so much. But my favorite, I think my actual, my actual favorite scene is, <laughs> is fucking, what is it called? Here's to the ones who dream. Mm. But that song is actually not that good. Yeah. But I love like the scene because that's my dream interview. I thought about that so much. Really? Where sh- they're like, tell us a story. Oh my god, that'd be the best question anyone could ever ask me in an interview. I would talk their ear off for hours. Yeah. But like that would be Yeah, people, why don't people have that any like as much as they should? I feel like it's a, you could tell a lot from somebody from what they answer from that. I don't know. I mean, it's cute. But like if you're applying to be like an engineer, I feel like you got to know how to do certain things. Well, yeah, but that could be said and tell me a story. Tell me a story. Oh, I found, one day I found out how to engineer this awesome thing. But see, people are too, like, lame nowadays. Because I feel like if people were, like, telling me a story, it'd be like, oh, well, this summer when I was interning at this place, this happened. And that's their story. Like, they're just trying to brag about themselves. It's because people need more metaphors, bro. Like, Marina, my (laughs) freshman year roommate, Marina, if you ever see this, she is crazy with the metaphors. Like, Mm -hmm. insane. She can talk about business. She's a uh, business major. Mm -hmm. Bro, she can talk about business in the most beautiful way ever. And I'm like, whoa, like, maybe I should be a business major. Because she has those metaphors. (laughs) She could tell, you could tell her, like, tell me, like, your biggest leadership role or, like, something like that. And Mm -hmm. she would make this beautiful story. And I'm like, dang, you got it. So if you gave Marina that prompt, tell me a story, and you're like, I don't know, like the head honcho at this like business firm, she would tell you, she would find a way to like correlate business and this beautiful metaphor and sell it to you. I don't think any big businesses would use that prompt though. No, that's not true because Val, no, I think it no, is no, no, true. No, it is true. Val did have that no, interview. Val, Val was telling me that for some businesses like have this thing called CEH, which is like CEO of happiness. And sometimes they literally just, I'm not even fucking with you. It's a real You made thing. that shit up. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Um, they hire people based off their personalities to bring like energy and like in, um, morale to the workspace. Because like when you're working in like a nine to five desk job, like things can get kind of like gloomy in there. And worse than nine to five, some business stuff, like if you're working like investment banking or shit like that. You're working 10 hour days. Yeah. Yeah. So you need somebody in here that can like be like charming AF, like mm-hmm. can like 
you know just liven up the place and people sometimes they don't tell them like i'm hiring you because of your personality you know but they hire them for like because they're awesome people mm-hmm. so you got to give the business world some more credit i don't know i don't know if we should be taking it easy on the business world okay maybe just a little bit maybe just a little, just a little bit. bit but i feel like if someone if i was in an interview and i heard that question I would not say a single thing about the job. I would just tell what I think is the best story I have to tell. Hmm. And I think hopefully by the way that I like carry myself and like the way I talk about certain things and the way that I emphasize and whatever, they would hire me. You could be the CEH. I could be the K. The mm-hmm. CEH. But dude, that would be like <laughs> the K. That would be like the best <laughs> thing in the world. I would like maybe I should do that. I should just start having interviews. You should. What are you going to interview people about? I mean, this is an interview almost not the same. Okay. You're Maybe right. when I sell my shop, that'll be the question I ask. Mm. That'd be a good one. Yeah, it would be, honestly. You should have sold your shop. I don't know. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, maybe it's time she like comes back from the <gasps> dead. Wouldn't that be funny? Yes. Like, if I just Bring make like, this whole thing, and she's just like, I'm Mush Girl, and I'm coming out of the ground. Exactly. You can make a whole theme out of it. And I you could like, release like a black collection. Because like, I did really like like making video content for my stuff. Like I think my... Like, when I think about my shop's era, like, the most fun time I ever had was when I made that little, like, real TikTok thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was, I had so much fun doing great. that. And I was like, I don't know. But maybe. I, it, I'm a little scared because, I mean, we've talked about this because we both had shops and we both do film, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. I feel like I place too much emphasis on the shop rather than film sometimes. Back yeah. in the day when i did it i don't know i think it's a terrible time for vintage did i talk to you about this Mm-mm. dude i've been doing really bad really because i think like i think tiktok controls fashion mm. like maybe not in austin no de- well definitely most of austin like there will still be like the people that have their own styles but like the mass population that like get their style and spo from instagram and tiktok and from social media and from comparing themselves to other people is completely driven by tiktok And I think like in our freshman and sophomore year, it was very much like staple pieces, uniqueness, claiming your own identity through your wardrobe. And it was like vintage was a big thing, big graphics, like colorful, everything. And I feel like all of TikTok is moving towards like more well-fitting essentials, like stuff like that, um, where it's like, and like Gorpcore. What is Gorpcore? Gorpcore. What is that? It's I've never like, heard of that. It's like the workwear stuff, like Arc'teryx and Carhartt and mm. like stuff like that. But like if you follow like a lot of like fashion accounts, no one is like wearing vintage anymore. That's not true. I don't know what side of TikTok you're on, but like what? my TikTok is full of like thrifting vintage people. Maybe but, it's just your algorithm. Well, what type of like what type of vintage? It's like vintage vintage, like like leather jackets like fringe you know like sequins stuff like that like it's sick like i think i don't know maybe it's just because i agree and it's like the bell bottoms and like the cropped vintage jackets yes none of the shit that i sell is that no i mean i i was like pretty much exclusively tees graphic tees and you don't unless they're like like the 70s like like quarter sleeve like tight almost cropped like mm-hmm. those are still popular and those look great with like some flares but like just the graphic tees i don't know 
I think it's because you have like a specialized market because it's mostly UT stuff and like like I think like your well I remember you telling me that your most successful pop-up was Frothing Fest in West Campus but it's it's gotten worse it's gotten worse like I I'll just say numbers because I don't care but like sophomore year mm-hmm. I would have $750 nights I would sell like 50 60 items I just had a pop-up like in October it was like Halloween themed there was music there were like 12 vendors so many places so many people right in the same spot on the food trucks I made like a hundred dollars no really? one's just coming anymore and then like I've had I pretty much wow. had a pop-up every other weekend kind of crazy and just no one really cares I think vintage is dying it's hmm. kind of a sad statement it is but like think of like the best dressed men that you know what are they wearing well you said like bell bottoms all that stuff but none of them are rocking a vintage tee sometimes they do sometimes it just depends on what type of vintage it is i guess i don't know i'm also not that educated on vintage even though i have like i had a little shop i was like i just got stuff that i thought looked good like i didn't do my research and be like oh this is from the 70s this is from the 50s you know like i just sold stuff so i don't know the different sub genres of vintage and what classifies as vintage and stuff because also people have different definitions what vintage is yeah there's stuff from like the 2000s people are like oh my god vintage which i guess it is now i don't know that sounds weird to me well yeah some of it it's like 20 years old well i think like the vintage definition that i use is like if a car is 25 years old, it's vintage, and then it doesn't have to abide by the same like regulations as normal cars. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's like 25 years. So anything 90s, I mean, pretty much anything 90s is definitely vintage. I think some Y2K stuff is still vintage. I don't know. I think it's just weird because like, we were kids when it was Y2K. and well, We're like, old. I, dude, You're I know. You're 21 in a month. I know. Growing up, man, scary. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. Dude. You know what? You know what? Can I give you a suggestion for your shop? Sure. I think you could hit the fuck out of your target audiences if you like did pop-ups at different co-ops. Oh, you're right. You're literally right. I feel like your shop and your brand works very well with like the different co-ops in West Campus. Mm-hmm. And if you like reach out to them and like vend there, That's I think it'd be crazy. successful. Maybe you can you can be Mosh Girl. <laughs> you want it? I'll give it to you. No. You can have two businesses. I'm right? not Mosh Girl. <laughs> I don't think guys andrew is much girl confirmed <laughs> okay wait mm, okay okay so there's a beautiful moment in this film we mm-hmm. both talked about where anna wears her high heels for the first oh time oh my god and she's i think that is the moment where she's entering a new stage of her life yeah i love that scene bro mm-hmm. that whole little scene of sequences that like she tries all this stuff oh mm-hmm. it was beautiful like I think it, even then it's like could be like her stepping into like her womanhood because like yeah. she's never even like been able to like fully understand her womanhood because she was in this like convent for most of her life you know mm-hmm. I don't know what's the right term is it convent like this monastery monastery I don't, monastery. Know. I don't know I don't know um, but, but also like she had nothing I feel like she had no idea of womanhood because she was only surrounded by women. Mm-hmm. There was no other things to compare it yeah. to. There was no power of a it's woman. Like normal. It's everyone's It's woman. like oh, when I when I was like in high school and I was like my identity is just normal because I'm around everybody here. Mm-hmm. Then I get here and it's not normal. I mean it is, but like it's like different, you mm-hmm. know. And she got to meet that saxophone guy, and 
in a way that was like her kind of embracing her womanhood or like um because her aunt and that's also like her aunt like her aunt is like the woman like she's like girl boss she's, the prototype. she's like she's like tough and everything and she's like strong and like feminist you know mm-hmm. um and then i think because it was her aunt's heels that she was stepping into yeah and that was so beautiful yeah. <laughs> like i was like oh my <laughs> god like uh it was so beautiful i love that scene what what slash when do you think was your high heels moment like when i mm, i don't know that's a was, really that's a brutal question right now i gotta think how's about it brutal that. like how like, i have to dig deep in dig. there like what was the time that you felt like you really like took control of your life or like was growing up or like you were doing this, this blah, blah, blah. Um, I guess it might've been like junior, so sophomore year of high school, freshman and sophomore year of high school, I was very like timid. Like I'm timid now, right? Back then, like I could, I, I wouldn't get a peep out of, an, of me. Like I was just mm-hmm. like the girl in the corner, just sitting by herself, like really, really, really quiet. Um, and then sophomore year, I like kind of had like a crisis where I was like, I don't know what I want to do because I wanted to be an art teacher when I was little, but mm-hmm. like for all my life. Um, but then I was like, I don't know if I want to do this because I don't have the patience to make nice art, you know, mm-hmm. like like beautiful, realistic art. So then I went to, um, I signed up to go to like this West College tour thing for like the West Coast and our high school took us all around the West Coast from, like, Santa Barbara, USC, UCLA, UC San Diego, like, to see all yeah. this stuff. And I was, like, and I remember going to USC. And I remember, um, like, there was, like, this thing on top of the gates. You know what I'm talking about. It was, like, reality ends here. And yeah. oftentimes I've found that um, I would be living in these quote-unquote fantasies, you know, like, oh, my God, like, what if like my little crush liked me and he saw me at their dance and blah 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 or little shit like that mm-hmm. and all my friends were like carla you're so silly like stop living your, your little fantasies right but then when i saw that i was like but these this usc and like stuff like this and this what it stands for like film like the film school there mm-hmm. uh, encourages fantasies you it's know it's an escape it, from reality yeah exactly yeah. and i was i just kind of like clicked that i needed to change something about my life and there is power in being quiet, you know, because you're approachable and you're not intimidating and you can be vulnerable people that otherwise would be, like, hard to do if you're very, like, ah, intense. Yeah. But when I got back from that college trip, I, like, was like, I need to get my shit together. I need to, like, like get on my A game. I joined mm-hmm. my film club as soon as I got back that semester. Um, I, like, did a bunch of community service. I started talking to people more, even though it like killed me because I was like, this is so awkward. I don't like to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it paid off, you know, because like I was really good. I've told you about my little film class and I, my little yeah. metaphors that I do with yeah. those. But it was really good. My my teacher like loved me. I like was like a station manager for them. And it just felt like it felt like I was well, doing what I was supposed to be doing. And it paid off because it got me here, mm-hmm. you know, because I... I did not have the grades to get to UT, bro. Like, I did not. I had, like, a fucking 3.5. My SATs were shit. Like, 
terrible, terrible. <laughs> okay, but what got I think me? You in, told me your score before. Dude, I'm telling you, it was bad. <laughs> um, but I think what got me in was because I did all this stuff, and it was like, yeah, I'm not the smartest girl, you know. Mm-hmm. But I got all this stuff that I did in high school. I yeah. got all of this like little creative stuff that I can bring to the table, and mm-hmm. I think that's what got me here. And I think it was that—that that was my high fields moment, I guess. Going to USC, seeing that little gate, coming back home, being like, "Oh my God, let me get my life together." Yeah, that's crazy. Because I think mine was the exact same thing. Really? Yeah. When but, you went to USC? Yeah, but that as in like six months ago. Oh, I yeah. felt like that was my high, my high heels moment came when I was twenty. Because mm-hmm. um, I felt like I feel like I've been the, like pretty much the same guy from like soft since junior of high school through sophomore year of college mm-hmm. um i felt like i was pretty much the same dude i thought about the same things i, I knew what i wanted to do i knew how i kind of wanted to get there um but then whenever i got into usc um everything like changed because i was like well shit like now this whole plan that i had could now be up in the air yeah. and i could be moving to la now and i was like worried about like oh i still have two more years to get ready to go to la and i was like fuck now i'm gonna be there in three months and then I remember I, I visited, um, and then I like went to go tour the buildings. And I had been there before. Um, I toured in high school, and I went there before, and I kind of remembered a lot of it. And I was walking around, and then I remember it said, like, students only, like, at certain parts. And I was like, fuck, I'm a student. Like, I got <laughs> into this. And then I remember, like, walking around the floors and, like, seeing all the different movie posters from, like, all the USC grads. Yeah. And I just went in the courtyard and cried. Like, I was so... I was like, I think more than any other moment in my life, like that was when I felt the most proud of myself. I was like, I did this shit. Like I got here on my own merit. Mm-hmm. I didn't have my parents buy me an expensive camera. I didn't like do all the summer camps. Like I fucking went through the trenches at UT and lower <laughs> division. Like that shit sucked. Yeah. Um, and I think it changed the way I thought a lot. And then I decided to stay. And so then whenever I decided to stay, I was like, okay, I can't be like, so critical of all these film bros like i feel like the first couple years i was like fuck everybody in film they're so annoying whatever but like i opened myself up to people and like i met more people in film which was great and i took different classes and i feel like i've learned so much and it's like changed how i've looked at my career like i don't i don't know if i want to do the same thing i did six months ago anymore but there is just something in the air at that campus no usc it's crazy it's like magic it is magic yeah oh yeah, that was my high heels moment. No, I know. I remember when you, I think you told me you got into USC when we were like at Patrice's, and I was like, "Dude, that's insane! Like, that's crazy that you got in." Because it's like, because you didn't apply when you were in high school, Mm-mm. and then you did it now, and it was like, boom, there it is. And the fact that you got to see, you got to go and see what your life could have been like, you know, it's yeah. kind of insane. I know. And, like, I stayed in L.A. for four days. I was like, this could be me every Mm day. I mean, it's going to be you regardless. You know, you're going to go over there at some point. Maybe. Who knows if I'll even go to L.A. anymore? I don't know. I'm not a fan of L.A. L.A. scares (laughs) me. (laughs) People are scary in there. I don't know where I want to be, but maybe. I, I like, was talking to my roommate last night about this. I was like, dude, because UTLA, you know, like, that's scary to me. I don't want to go to UTLA. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I like USC. You know, yeah. and it's sick. And I know that the industry film is in L.A., mm-hmm. most of it. Not a lot of it, but most of it. And I don't know. It's just something about it that makes me feel 
uncomfy. Have you seen the movie Barton Fink? No, you told me to watch it. Dude, that uh, movie scared me. Isn't it? Who directed it? I don't. It was like the Coen Brothers. It was Coen Brothers, something. right? Yeah. It might be. I don't know. I could be talking about my ass. But I think it was a Coen Brothers, and that movie is terrifying. It shows you, like, the ugly side of L.A. and Hollywood and yeah. all that to a dramatic point. But uh, I don't know. I, I think it'd be fun if I, like, went to, like, New York or, like, Europe and did some, like, film stuff there. But L.A.'s going to hold on wild for a little bit. Maybe I'll be there. I don't know. Maybe I'll be here. You here's, could be here. Here's cool. Yeah. I like this place. This is film scene here. Yeah. I was, like pretty set on going to LA this summer like I was like fuck it I don't care like even if I don't get a job I'm just gonna go over there and mm-hmm. fucking knock on doors and not knock on doors but like emails um I was like I'm gonna just work in LA this summer but now fuck I don't know like I just interviewed for a place in New York and I kind of want to work there I just don't want to limit myself mm-hmm. and I feel like because I already know so much about LA and like I've already been there a couple times interning in New York or like trying to intern applying to stuff in New York this summer could be like a better tell because, like, if I like it, I could stay there. If I don't like it, then I know I do go to L.A. Yeah. But I don't know. It is... It's fucking scary. All of it's scary. I know. And it's all coming so fast. I know, dude. Fucking... <sighs> you, we were, like, watching the movie, and you kept pausing it, being like, bro, we're literally going to graduate <laughs> in, like, six months or something. No, it's not just six months. It's, like, a year and a half. But, like, I when you were, like, going on the spew, explaining, like, how much time we got left, I was like, oh, he's right. <laughs> I was like, damn. Dude, 2022 felt like it went by. I know. In, in it's nine crazy. days. It's kind of insane. Well, welcome to the new year, right? 2023. Why are you lying? Because <laughs> it is. it is Like, this is. Oh, for them, yeah. Oh, happy new year, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, fuck it. Yeah, we're cheating. We're shooting this on fucking December 8th, but it'll come out January 3rd. Uh, so whenever people are listening to this, it's already 23, but it's still 2022. So what are your goals for this year? Oh, my God. Or no, no, no. What, no, no, no. What were your goals for this year, actually, 2022? Did you achieve them? And what are your goals for next year of 2023? Um, my goals for 2022 were, I think it was to, like, make more film friends, you know? Mm-hmm. And because, you know film bros are scary you know they really are because yeah. if they're not like hardcore marvel people they're like hardcore really niche people yeah and i'm like oh, i don't know which one to go to you know <laughs> or, oh, this is kind of scary um but i think i did find like a good set of friends in film and i think um i it, another thing was like to involve myself more in like film because i felt like freshman year to sophomore year i focused more on like finding like my little friends and like getting money you know that's why i did mosh girl because i need yeah. money and um but i, I think I, I neglected my career for those first two or like what i want to do and um so I, I involved myself more in film and stuff and then it was just like personal growth stuff yada 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 but i think i think i did do that a little bit like i i got closer to you this year i think mm-hmm. um i got a new job quit opa you know yeah fuck I, opa no we can't say that <laughs> i can <laughs> no, no, no. Fuck opa. um anyways <laughs> i quit my job and i went to i worked i worked at now the moody place and i get to play with the little equipment sometimes mm-hmm. you get to talk to people like that know so much about equipment stuff and i'm like oh my god tell me more blah, blah, yeah blah. and i'm meeting a lot of cool people through that little job and 
it's it's so fulfilling and so i guess my next goal for 2022 is just to um 2023 yeah 2023 mm-hmm. sorry stuck in time you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's all too real right yeah now. um to um just create more stuff i don't really care if it's good or not i mean i i eventually i will but it's just to get out of my comfort zone and, and make stuff that is fun you know because mm-hmm. i feel like for the most i i put off film stuff because i was like it's i have to make this good because i need people to like it but it sucks all the fun out of that you yeah. put so much pressure mm-hmm. and so i think it's just to have fun with film you know and make f- fun stuff and get out of my comfort zone whether or not if it's good at least i'm trying right yeah, <laughs> at least those i'm creating are, something those are good ones yeah, creating anything you? is better than creating nothing what about you well, mine for 2022 were very, like, achievement-based, not necessarily, like, personal growth-based. Um, I, like, wanted to get into a festival, didn't do that. I wanted to get an internship, I got that. I wrote down on January 1st um, of 2022, I, said, I put, like, get a girlfriend, <laughs> got that, which is awesome. Um, I put, like, get into USC on there. Um, it was mostly just film stuff. Yeah. Um, which is kind of lame. It should be more than that, you know? No, I mean, I think that you're at a point in your life when you need to focus on your career, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, you're always going to have time to, like, personal growth and all that stuff. But, I mean, right now, it's a very crucial point for everybody. (laughs) I think for next year, mine are less accomplished-based. I mean, always there are some, like... I want to have a summer internship next year and I Mm -hmm. want to be in a better spot for graduation. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of want to figure out exactly what I want to do and how I'm going to be able to do it. But I want to like, I want to keep on like mentoring, like doing fig this year was like so fulfilling and Mm -hmm. like being able to teach a class of 39 kids was like the best thing in the world. Um, and like we're doing like a big little with sneak peek next year. You are? Yeah. Which I think will be so fun. That's so fun. And I applied to be ULA, didn't get it. Um, but I can be a fake mentor again next semester, which I think would be really great. But I almost want to find more avenues where I can, like, volunteer myself to, like, help people. And, like, I really want my fig kids to, like, actually keep texting me. And, like, some of them have. Like, they've still asked me questions, like, after class ended. Like, I want to be, like, four years out of college and then them still be like, hey, just wondering, what was this like? Like, I want to be able to make that. I want to be able to help people with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I want to. So I want to keep mentoring things. I want to, like work on being I just want to work on my own humility not that I think that I'm just like a conceited fucking pompous asshole but (laughs) I think there's something great about like underselling over deliver yeah like I don't think everybody needs to know what's going on with me all the time I just want to be able to do it um when we're going to humility I want to just keep on being kind um I don't know I guess that's more of what I want to do next year those are good Mm-hmm. Those are solid. Better than the ones this year. Yep. Well, I don't. The ones you had this year are pretty good, you know. But they're so material. Well, you, sometimes you need a little material. I think it got you to a good point. You know, it's a good foundation. Now you can work on like the accessories, like your how you act around people, how you help people, X, Y, and Z. You know. Yeah. Dude, I. You know my t- my two year anniversary of my shop is in ten days. Really. Oh, that's right. I remember you, like, released it on Christmas break. 
Yeah. Oh my god, that's insane. Two years coming. What are you gonna do? I don't know, but I leave before it happens. Are you gonna do a giveaway? See, that's what I was thinking about. Cause I was like, I could do a giveaway, but like I've already done that, like so many times. You have good like marketing like things you do. Like I remember Carol, whenever uh, we just started becoming friends, she'd be like, "Dude, Andrew is really good at the marketing stuff." Like it was like, the her favorite one was like if you like filled your final, like um, you'd get like I don't know how much was it. If you got a seventy. <laughs> you got a 70% or lower, you only pay 70%. Dude, that's silly. Oh, it was good. It was good. Well, thanks. But I feel like I've already done giveaways, um, and I've already, like, held clothing drives and other shit. What I really wanted to do this year was, mm-hmm. like, I kind of wanted to take all the inventory I had and give it to someone who's trying to start a shop, and then I wanted to hold a pop-up for them. <gasps> and then it'd be, oh. like, so it's, like, my followers could go to them, and then it'd be, like, if you buy something from them, it's 20 or 20% off if you give them a follow and like I could like help uplift another account but then I'm not gonna be here so it makes it hard and like no one has really reached out to me saying like oh I'm trying to start a shop do you have any Mm -hmm. questions or do you have any advice and my shit isn't selling Mm -hmm. it's like what if I give them all this inventory and then they don't even fucking sell it Mm -hmm. but I don't know I want to do something like what is it called to give back because it is like two years and it has been so fulfilling for me but I don't know what to do Mm -hmm. I might just do nothing I don't know. But I think that's a good idea. Have you, like, even, like, reached out to people or, like, stated this anywhere that you're looking to do this? Well, how are people supposed to know? Like, if I'm a little person that wants to be a little shop owner, how am I going to know that you and your Theseo Dorm Room Dimes wants to give me the stuff? But it just seems like somewhat, like, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm not at the level where I can do that yet. Like, I don't have that many followers. What do you mean? Everybody knows Don't Ruin Dimes. That's but not it, true at yes, all. Yes, that is true. Dude, you haven't gone to my last couple pop-ups. Huh? You haven't gone to my last couple pop-ups. I had one last weekend. I sold three things. But where was that? At Moxie. Moxie is scary. Okay, one, it's not scary. <laughs> it two, is. they were lovely people there. Thank you, Moxie. Um, but I did one two weeks before at... Where was I popped up? Fuck, um, somewhere. I, oh, at uh, outside Lucky Lab. Oh, really? Space Twenty Four. Huh. Or and that's a great location. Yeah. Hello traffic. I sold four things. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So it's like I would feel even worse if like I give all my stuff to somebody and they're so excited and they start posting everything and then they don't sell anything. But I feel like if you're making it like a community giving back thing, people would be willing to go buy stuff, you know? Because, like, if you're just, like, buying it off, like, this dude who, like, has his life together, like, it's like, okay, does he really need this $20? But if you're giving yes, it to... <laughs> I do need the $20. Are you kidding okay, okay, me? Okay, but I'm, like, comparison to, like, this little dude who, like, um, wants to start a shop and, like, no name to their... Nothing to their name, right? Mm-hmm. $20 would be awesome. You know? Yeah. I don't know if people think about it that much. I think they maybe do. I think they do. Well, maybe I should look into it. I don't know. It's like like when you go to the co-op and you buy stuff, right? And they're like, oh, do you want to round up to like blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, no. You should say yes. Dude, the co-op is already so expensive. No, they don't. They don't <laughs> give it to like the co-op. It's like 
for supplies for people like like i get a, a scholarship from the co-op because they like <laughs> so you were saying no to me you're saying no to giving money from me <laughs> I could just give you. I could just Venmo you. I don't need to give it. To, they don't Dude, have to go through the co-op. But like, it's just not. It's not just me. It's me, Armino, America, everybody. Like, you're saying no to everybody. <laughs> I've done other things. You just exposed. <laughs> no, you literally. I one of the things I remember the first thing about you was that we we went to um, Mozart's. Okay, and, you're gonna make me sound like such an asshole. <laughs> okay, I won't say it. No, fucking say it. Um, care. this guy doesn't tip the baristas. He does not tip. He's like, no. On the screen? Bro, if like... If they flip the screen, I'm pressing no They don't tip. get paid enough. You need to pay them at least a dollar. What are you going to do with that dollar? Uh, Save up four more so I can buy my next coffee. Well, if you tip enough, maybe the baristas will like you and give you free coffee. How about that? I've never gotten a free coffee. Well, because you never <laughs> freaking tip them. So. I don't go to the same place enough for them to remember me well, to give me a free coffee. Maybe you should start doing that. It's about building a community. Okay, I do tip people when I'm at home. Because then I'm like, oh, they're at Garland. They're trying. No one wants to be in Garland. They're trying to get out. So I'll tip them. Okay. But like, if you're in Austin. I, respect. Right? Respect, yeah. Austin is like awesome. So you're telling me if you pulled up to Opa like six months ago, you wouldn't tip me? If, if it was you flipping the screen, yeah. If it was anybody else, no. Bro. I worked Baristas in food. Baristas are going to hate you. Baristas hate you. I remember you told me you were like, you lost all trust in me and the <laughs> world whenever I was like talking up some barista. I was like being so nice. And then they flipped the screen and I pressed no tip. Mm-hmm. And you were like, you, how could you do that? How could you, <laughs> you said you would that? hate me. Bro. If I was your customer. I would. <laughs> I really would. Because it's like, it's like a trust issue at that point. Like, you and I hate it when that would happen to me at Opa. Like I'd be like talking to them and be like, "Oh my god, like this person is so nice." Here's a screen. I'm like, I'm about to get a good tip. Mm, nothing. <laughs> I'm just like, girl. I just like. It's a trust issue thing, man. All, I can betray trust. That's okay, but like, I can't. Dude, fuck. This shit is expensive. Where are you going? Like, coffee's probably like four or five bucks. Yeah, five dollars. That's like. That's and like, hold on. I tip like at restaurants. I just don't tip on the screen. I tip anytime anybody's doing something for me. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Like if they're making something, I'm like, all right. Like if they're putting your clothes in the bag at H and M. You don't got to tip there yet. They don't do. Well, it. then you're not tipping everybody. Oh my god. All right. Whatever. Okay, well, I'm not a bad person. <laughs> Debatable. Okay. It's a joke. It's a joke. Ooh, this is a good one. You say that you feel like you've been introduced to so many new things, mm-hmm. experienced so many new experiences, that you've grown up a lot in the past couple of years. If you could tell your 16-year-old self something, one thing, what would it be? So, 16-year-old Carla... Four, almost five years ago. Man, dude, these questions are crazy. <laughs> oh How? My God, you're making me get all introspective. Mm-hmm. At That's the point. Eleven in the morning. <laughs> it's twelve. Oh my God. Okay. Twenty. Um, what what would I say to me? Mm, I would say, Carla, mm, have some grace for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like. 
there is not a lot it's only as pressure like there's all this pressure but that you think it's there but it's not actually there the only person that can actually put pressure on yourself is you mm-hmm. um <clears throat> take it easy sit back relax drink a cup of water or coffee it's all chill and you determine when you're ready for stuff not other people and even if that's even if you're 20 and everybody else is ahead of the game mm-hmm. just because everybody else is ready to go doesn't mean you got to rush yourself to go somewhere being getting your life together going to mm-hmm. internships all this shit you know because i'm not ready for that yeah. i am a little i'm almost there but not entirely i decide when i do that not yeah. everybody else not just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that i gotta do it i'm almost there the same way that carla is 16 years old saw everybody else partying you know um she wasn't ready to do that yet and i'm not ready to do that yet but whenever i do it'll be fun just the same way that i did it when i was 18 it was fun so mm-hmm. just have some grace for yourself be patient yada 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 okay gun <laughs> that's a good one i don't i feel like I, I wrote these and i did not think about them it's a hard question it is kind of a hard question 16 year old me Um, I think I would tell myself to just drill in on the fact that I should be making stuff for me, not for everybody else. That whatever I, and it doesn't have to be good, but if it's me, then I accomplish what I think I needed to mm-hmm. do. Because, I don't know, I think since I've been 16, it's like, well, maybe this will get into festivals. Maybe this won't get into festivals. Maybe yeah. this will get into festivals. And, like, who the fuck cares? Like, I just want to be able to make something that I can be proud of and that people can watch it. I want anybody I know to be able to watch it and be like, oh, I know Andrew made this. Yeah. Like, that's what I wanted. So I guess I would just tell myself, be more selfish. Be more selfish. Write about yourself. Make it about yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's what you should be doing. Yeah. Okay. I have one last question. Okay. What's the question? <laughs> So, to me, I see I see this film somewhat of a re- as a representation of who you are, but a lot of what you want to be in terms of your future mm-hmm. in film. Do you think this film inspired you as a filmmaker? And what are your personal goals? I love this movie. Like, I watched this and I was like, oh my god, this is like goo goo gaga insane. The cinematography, like, Jesus. And it was just... And I think it's, I love, 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 love films that, like, force you to watch stuff, you know, because it's slow burn. And, like, you're not going to know what the movie is about, what this is about within the first 20 minutes of it. Yeah. You know, you got to sit there for a little while to do it. And I love when films do that. And I think that it it kind of, I understand that it's, not everybody likes slow burns, you know. And if I can watch this movie and be so in love with it somebody else in the world and whatever i make one day and hopefully make something as beautiful as this movie Mm -hmm. you know can feel the same way i did when i first watched this movie then i think that counts for something i don't need it to be a blockbuster i don't need to be have like a sold out theater people standing ovation if there's at least one person in there that sees it and is like oh my god this was crazy you Mm -hmm. inspired me 
And that counts for something. And I think that's what I want to do. I just want to make something that is special to at least one person, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a very, like, intimate connection, you know? Rather than, like, I'm, I'm not shitting on Marvel movies or anything. I'm not the biggest fan of Marvel. I'll I say that. <laughs> but, like, it's it's so easy. It's, like, such a cheap way to, like, connect with people. And, like, obviously everybody's going to root for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels so much more personal when it's, like, stories like this. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, you could tell the intention from almost every single shot in that movie. And I was, like, this movie is crazy. I love the cinematography. And I think... After I watched this movie, I was like, maybe I want to go into cinematography, hmm. you know? Yeah. Because it's just so pretty and, like, the black and white and everything. And, I mean, I'm taking cinematography with Deb Lewis, favorite person ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the best. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. But, yeah, that's my question. That's my answer to the question. You know, one thing that my film teacher in high school told me, mm. he said, and I thought this was so cute. I think this is one of the other like lines we're talking about that like has really yeah. stuck with me. He said every single movie ever made is someone's favorite movie, whether that. I remember be, you telling me. This. Did I tell you this? I already? wrote it down in my journal. Really? I was like, this is facts. Because that's so. I think that's so cute. Like someone, whoever made that movie, the director has a mom, yeah. and that's their favorite movie. Or the the gaffer has a mom, and that's their favorite movie. Or the sound mixer has a girlfriend, and that's their favorite yeah. movie. I think that's so sweet. I don't know. I think about that all the time. And Are I think about sure? like, no matter if my mom fucking hates the movie, <laughs> if I make one, she's going to have it framed mm-hmm. and like, she's going to love it. And like, even if she actually hates it, she will love the idea of it so much. Yeah. Which I think is so sweet. That is facts. I thought about that. I guess that's kind of what I said in a more condensed, pretty way. A well, yours, yours every made movie, sense. Every movie is someone's favorite movie. Period. Yeah, period. What was your teacher's name? Mr. Schubert. Mr. Schubert. Yeah, I miss that guy. He was great. Film teachers in high school are awesome. I know. They're always great people. There should be movies about that. Well, there you go. You got another idea. I've had that one for years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's wrap this thing up. Okay. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on to the pod. Mm-hmm. I know you said you were nervous. I am so nervous. It was fun. It was fun. And yeah. you shouldn't be nervous. It was it was chill. Um well, happy New Year's everybody. Um I hope everyone had a great holiday season. I hope everyone writes down their New Year's resolutions and accomplishes them within the next twelve months. Um however you're watching this, via audio, via YouTube, via Instagram, whatever. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Again, I'm Andrew Articio. Thank you for watching. <laughs>